Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
home salvation in a far distant land to rusty nails pierced to precious hands a man named Jesus for silver was sold on an old rugged cross love story was told and oh oh what a story I love you was written in blood rivers of mercy were flowing and between two thieves was the sun the ransom For every man's soul On an old rugged cross The great love story was finished and the world heard the sound marking the beginning as his blood touched the ground a master plan for living on Mount Calvary engraved such expression of love is salvation today. And oh, oh, what a story. I love you was written Rivers of mercy were flowing from the matchless fountain of love. The ransom was paid. For every man's soul On an old rugged cross The great love story was told The greatest love story Is the old rugged cross
trust in him and him sat in his chair as the doctor broke the news it could be a week a month or maybe two the cancer has spread and death will find its way there's nothing we can do nothing I can say and the young man raised his trembling hands as his eyes filled with tears. And through the pain and sorrow, my hope is in the Lord. And I will trust in Him and Him alone. And though surrounds us and it seems there is no hope there's one thing I'm sure of there's one thing that I know I know my hope is in the Lord and I will trust in Him and Him alone Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Right? Uh, we'll be feeding the team, not this Friday, not but next, but you do need to grab the pants. Uh, so uh, do that this morning, uh, but uh, it is two weeks, so uh, note that. This morning, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This morning, we're going to be, we've been talking about unity, but this, this morning, we're actually going to be talking a little bit about diversity. We're going to be talking about the different gifts that God has blessed us with, that we're not all the same, that God has made us different, and he's made us different for a reason. He's made us different so that we can be one in him. And so uh, I believe that that's, that's such an encouragement to us because we look at other people and we think, well, why don't I have the, the same talents and the same abilities? Why can't I sing like, like Rockney or, or Brother Tim or, or others in the choir? Why can't I do this or why can't I do that? But we need to recognize that we've all been given a gift and that God has blessed us so that we together can be all that he's called us to be as the church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And we thank you already for the way you've stirred our hearts, the way you've spoken to us today. And Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to move upon our hearts. Lord, I recognize we've got some folks here today who need, to, who need to make that most important decision. They need to accept you as Lord and as Savior. There's others who are, are going through a trial, and they need to hear a word from you. There's some that need to recognize how they can be used by you. In the church, they feel like, you know what, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know what, what piece I'm supposed to play. But, Lord, you're going to show them that today. Lord, you're going to do a work on, on our hearts, and I'm so thankful for that. And so, Lord, hide me behind the cross so that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word, e pluribus unum, appears on the great seal of the United States of America. And until 1956, E Pluris Unum was actually the unofficial motto of the United States. In 1956, the official motto 
of the United States became, In God We Trust. E Pluribus Unum, while not the official motto of our nation, still appears, though, on the Great Seal and on other currencies and documents produced by our government. E Pluribus Unum is a Latin phrase, and it means out of many, one, or one from many. And the phrase pictures the United States of America as a melting pot. It envisions a nation as one nation made up of many different individuals who become one. While there is a diversity and a vision among the people that make up the United States of America, at the end of the day, the idea is that we are all still Americans. We are one. Regardless of the country of our origin, the color of our skin, the type of politics that we embrace, or where we stand on social issues, we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That is the ideal. The United States is a unity made possible and in spite of great diversity. But I want you to see this morning that that phrase, out of many one, can also be applied to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was, has just told us that, that there are, are so many things that unite us, that we stand together as one in the Lord, that we are in the same body, that we are indwelled by the same spirit, that we are... We share the same hope, that we serve the same Lord, that we believe the same faith. We have experienced the same baptism, and we are children of the same Heavenly Father. And as I mentioned last week in verses 4 through 6, we're made one through our relationship with the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The same Spirit lives in each of us. The same Lord died for all of us. The same God has saved us and brought us into his family. We are one in him. And yet, as the first word of verse 7 this morning points out, we may be one, but we are still many. The word but in that verse is more than a simple conjunction. It literally means in spite of that or on the other hand. The idea is that while we may be united in Jesus, we are still expected to be different people. We play a different role perhaps. We are expected to be individuals for the glory of God. We may be commanded to do everything in our power to maintain the unity of the Spirit of Christ, but at the same time, we are to celebrate the diversity that makes our unity possible. And so it's against that backdrop of our unity in Christ that I want to draw your attention to our diversity this morning. We are all different. We're all from different places, and yet it is our differences that make unity within the body of Christ such a marvelous wonder to behold. In fact, it is our diversity that actually makes our unity possible at all. And so please stand with me this morning in honor of the reading of God's word as we look at verses 7 through 16 together this morning. Beginning in verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower part, parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You may be seated. The first thing I want you to see here in verses 7 through 11 is the root of our diversity. The root of our diversity. 
Our unity as believers finds its roots in the work of God in our lives. And as he develops and grows us, he continually reveals himself within us. And as he does, he allows us to stand as one in the Lord. However, it is also the Lord's work in us that magnifies our differences. Just as surely as our unity has its roots in him, so does our diversity. And so we see there in verse 7, the grace of God. The grace of God. Our diversity finds its roots in God's grace. The word grace is a common word that we see all throughout the New Testament. It refers to the undeserved favor or the gift of God. It often, we think of it in the context of salvation, of course, for it is by grace through faith that we are saved there in Ephesians 2 uh, verse 8. The word grace in this verse, though, does not refer to the grace that saves us. Rather, it it refers to the grace of God that gifts us for service. And so when the Bible says that unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of Christ, it simply means that the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, has given each of us some gift or gifts of grace. These gifts are his enabling ministry. If it weren't for the gifts of God, these, these supernatural spiritual gifts, we wouldn't be able to do what God's called us to do. And so when he saves a soul, the Lord Jesus Christ takes up residency in that new believer through the person of his Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit comes into the life of, uh, of one, he performs something amazing in them. And he gives them one, I believe most of us certainly have more than one, spiritual gifts in order to be used by him. And these gifts determine the believer's place in the body, how that believer will ultimately serve the Lord. And the truth is, of that is fleshed out for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 27. And the primary truth to note here is that you are an individual and that you have been uniquely gifted to serve the Lord. You're not supposed to look like everybody else. You're supposed to be different in the way that you serve him. And when he saved you, he gave you gifts that you may share with other believers. But the way the Lord uses and exercises those gifts in you is going to be unique to your personality. And so that is, you may preach, but I've never seen two preachers who had the exact same way of preaching. We all have a different personality, a different way of of delivering it. We all come at it in a little bit different way. And the same thing if maybe you've been gifted with the the gift of, of teaching. And so... You may teach, but the emphasis be on children in Sunday school, and you're just gifted of being able to communicate with young people. But maybe you've been gifted to communicate in a large audience, maybe even in a, in a way where, where you'll, you'll communicate with people in stadium settings. But you still have the spiritual gift of teaching. Whatever they are, it's all by the grace of God. And we need to discover our gifts to allow the Lord to develop them to their greatest potential in our lives for him. And the best way to find your spiritual gift, listen to me, the best way to be able to find your spiritual gift is to be actively involved in your local church because that's where it's going to get fleshed out. You need to be actively involved in your local church and as you faithfully serve him there, he will open up more and more doors of service for you to use those gifts. But you got to be plugged in. You got to do more. There's not a spiritual gift of sitting in a pew. That's not one of them. Okay, some people think it is. It's not. Your spiritual gift is something other than sitting in the pew. And so because of that, we need to be actively involved in the work of ministry in our local church. But then secondly, I want you to see there in verses 7 through 10, the gifts of God. The gifts of God. Paul calls the gifts that we are given the gifts of Christ. Part of the Lord's victory over death, sin, and Satan is the gift of a new life in him. We are literally made new creatures when we are born again. We're not the same as we used to be. The new birth brings with it the ability to enjoy what John 10.10 refers to as the abundant life. And so that new life manifests itself through the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And as he enables us to serve the Lord Jesus Christ through gifts that he gives us. And so I, I don't know what your gifts may be. I don't know exactly what gifts each of you have been given. I think I know, for some of you, I think I know basically what your gifts are, but I don't know exactly. But I want you to know that every one of those gifts is gifts that have been given to you 
by Christ and for his glory. They are the spoils of his victory over sin, death, hell, and Satan. They have been given to you by Christ for his glory, not your own. But then thirdly, I want you to see there in verse 11, the giftedness of God. The giftedness of God. Our diversity is seen in the gifts Paul mentions here in verse 11. This is merely a small sampling, though, of the spiritual gifts. You'd be better off to, to go and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, at, at Romans chapter 12, at 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, to get a fuller idea of all of the spiritual gifts, because yours may, may, very, may very well not be listed here. But I do want to take a moment to look at what these, ministry, these uh, spiritual gifts are, these ministry gifts, uh, so you'll better understand what we're talking about when, when we talk about these gifts in Scripture. And the first is apostles. It refers to an ambassador, one sent with credentials to represent another. The apostles were the pioneers of the faith. As, as the Lord planted, originally planted his church, he used the apostles. God sent them to this world at the birth of the church. And he verified their ministry. 2 Corinthians 12, 12 says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. When the church was established, though, once it was established, once the church was, was ready to, to go out, there was no more need for the ministry of apostles. Once it was planted, originally, there was no more need for this particular gift. The office ceased to exist with the death of those early foundational giants that God used to, to establish his church. There are no apostles as it speaks of in scripture today. But then we see the word prophets, that gift. The word speaks of a foreteller. This was a person who received a direct revelation from God and then would share that word from God with the world. And so the words of the prophets were literally the words of God. When they spoke, it was God speaking. When the Bible was completed, though, now we have the Word of God. And there is no need for someone else to add to the Word of God. It is a complete Word from God. And so now we no longer have this particular office as well in the sense that no one is receiving new revelations from God any longer. When I preach on a Sunday morning, I'm preaching from the already revealed Word of God. I'm not giving you something that no one else has ever had. This is what comes from His Word. Everything we know and will know concerning God and the faith of Jesus Christ can be found in the pages of the Bible. But then he speaks of evangelist. That word literally means a preacher of the gospel. It has in mind those, though, who are especially gifted at sharing the gospel with those who have never heard before. And that gift is very much active in the church today. The, the gift of evangelism is very much active and, and, and being practiced in the world today. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to begin revival services with Brother Phil Glisson, and he's going to be sharing that particular spiritual gift with us as he proclaims the gospel. And it's why we bring in God-called evangelists when we have revivals, because it is a spiritual gift that is special to those who have been gifted with it. And we need to use those individuals so that they can use that spiritual gift, and so the church can then be blessed by that spiritual gift. And so I hope that you will bring family. I hope you'll be fr bring friends and co-workers and classmates because we're going to have someone here who has that spiritual gift and we want them to be able to exercise it to its fullest. Then we see pastor and teachers. And while Paul uses two words here, it's really one office, the office of pastor that is in view here. The word pastor means shepherd and it speaks of those who tend to the needs of the flock. It speaks of one who reaches out to the fallen, who binds up the wounds and feeds the hungry, who leads the flock to green pastures and, and to beside the still waters. It speaks about the man who has the care of the people of God as the driving force of his life. Teacher speaks of those who faithfully and consistently open up the word of God to feed the people of God. This spiritual gift is, I hope, active in every church today and in every modern church today. Sometimes you question it. Um, in some churches, but this is, uh, this is certainly what a pastor should be gifted with, pastor-teacher. 
And so uh, that is a giftedness, that special spiritual gift that God lays on certain individuals. The, the whole point here is this, that your gifts might have been on this list or they might not have been on this list. But be that as it may, when God saved you, he did gift you. He gave you at least one spiritual gift. And as I said before, I, I believe he probably gave you more than one spiritual gift. And he gave them to you so that you could serve him, so that you could be a blessing to the church and bring him greater glory. And so I challenge you to find your gift. Find your gift. Look at those passages of scripture. Find your gift. And then I challenge you to use that gift. Every gift is needed. You may think, well, my gift's not as important as their gift. Yes, they are. God gave you that gift for a reason. If it wasn't needed, he wouldn't have given it to you. Use your spiritual gifts. But then secondly, we see the reasons for our diversity in verses 12 through 14. And so we first see the the completion of the body there in verse 12. And Paul says, for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting has the idea of strengthening and developing and and, and furnishing completely and equipping. It, It simply means that God has placed the various members in the body to help the body achieve its fullest potential for his glory. So when I feel my place and when, then, when you feel your place, the Lord is glorified and the church becomes what the Lord established it to be. We become his body carrying his life to a world that is trapped in darkness. But secondly, we see the commitment of the body there in verse 12. When Paul refers to the work of the ministry, he talks about the business of serving here. Effectual ministry is the work of the entire church. I don't care how talented a pastor may be. I don't care how talented that even a group of of people, of leaders in the church may be, a small group of leaders. It's not enough to do all that God has called the church to do. No pastor is that talented. No group of people is that talented. Nor do they have the time or energy to complete all that God has called the church to do. We need everybody. It's not just up to the pastor or the deacons or Sunday school teachers. It's up to everybody to do the work of ministry. God has designed the church so that each member brings a different piece to that collective puzzle, bringing it all to the table to make that beautiful picture. When the evangelist and the pastor teacher are faithfully praying and ministering in the word to the church, it's equipped to save, to, to, to then serve the needs of the body of Christ. But that's not all. There's many other pieces needed as well. It's not, not enough to, to simply show up at church and to sit and to listen we don't want you simply soaking and souring. We want you using those gifts to the glory of God. We must go beyond merely attending and become actively involved in the work of the Lord in this world. But then we also we see the confirmation of the body. Paul tells us that the gifts of God, especially the ones mentioned in verse 11, exist for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word edifying means to build up, to establish, and to confirm. It speaks to the church progressing from salvation to sanctification, and it pictures the church doing more than merely professing Christ, but actually projecting Jesus. And so it speaks of us reaching our fullest potential and maturing in him, bringing the body to a place of conviction till we all come to the unity of the faith. As the church is properly led and fed and served by the gifted individuals that make it up, it will come to be a place where it believes and practices the same doctrine, where we believe the same things rightly. God's goal in sending preachers to a church is to teach the church his word so that the body might be built up through a faith in a common truth. So that we're not just going here and there, but that, we, that we're being faithful to the word of God. But also bringing the body to a place of consciousness, of the knowledge of the Son of God, he says. As we are taught the truth that those gifts share, we, we learn about more about our Savior. And so the word knowledge means to fully discern. God sends preachers and teachers to help us come to know Christ better. And as the gifts of the Spirit are exercised in the church, one of the outcomes is a fuller knowledge of Christ. One of the surest ways for a church to grow in power and in love and in glory is for that church to more fully understand whom they serve and who they are in Christ, to make more of Jesus. But also we see in verse 13, bringing 
the body to a place of Christ-likeness. He says, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That, that phrase simply means reaching a place of maturity. God has gifted his church to help the whole body come to a place of maturity. He wants us to grow up in, into the image of his son. And then also there in verse 14, we see bringing the body to a place of certainty. That gives the church stability when we grow up in him. We are no longer little children tossed around by every wave and wind of doctrine that strikes us. This kind of maturity is only possible when each member of the body is in his or her place, walking in the will of God and exercising faithfully the gifts that he or she has been given. And so the reasons for our diversity is that he makes us different so that in the end we will all become the same. He gives us different gifts so that you can benefit from how he has gifted me and so that I can benefit from how he has gifted you. He made us different so that he might make us one in Christ. But then lastly, I want you to see number three in verses 15 through 16, the results of our diversity. First of all, our diversity makes the body possible. Just as every member of the physical body is unique, so are each of the members in the body of Christ. Without diversity, there would be no unity. Just as our physical bodies are united whole, so the body of Christ is fitly joined together and compacted, Paul says. Those phrases mean solidly put together from many to make one. God has has taken individuals from every conceivable lifestyle and background and saved them by his grace, and then he's placed them into his body. Each member has been given a unique assignment, and as the various members fulfill their assignment, the body of Christ is able to exist and function within this world. But also I want you to see there in verse 15, our diversity makes the body powerful. Our diversity makes the body powerful. The same diversity that makes the body possible also makes it powerful. And as each, each of us exercise the individual gifts that we've been given, the body is then fed and nurtured and helped to grow into maturity in Christ. When the body is given the truth and when the truth is given from a heart of love, the result will be a maturing of the body into the image of its head, the Lord Jesus. The idea of speaking the truth in love speaks of the truth of the gospel proclaimed and lived out by the church that is in love with the Lord, with one another, and with the lost world around it. This kind of church, the church that preaches truth, loves truth, and shares truth, and that loves the God of truth, that is the kind of church that God will use in power to glorify himself and to reach a lost and dying world. The truth is never to be used as a club, but the truth is always to be given out in love. When it is, the church will mature and become more like the master. And by the way, that, that, rather than numbers, should be the determination of whether a church is growing or not. We aren't about a seating capacity, we're about a sending capacity. And if we're not sending folks out to minister to a lost and dying world around us, then we're really no good. We're not doing the Lord any good if we're simply sitting in pews, regardless if they're packed or not, if we're not doing anything with that which we are being given while we're sitting there. Our diversity also makes the body productive. Our diversity makes the body productive. This last part of verse 16 tells us that the measure of grace each member of the body brings to the table serves to cause the whole body to grow and to walk as one in the Lord. And as God works in you to develop your life to its fullest potential and as you allow him to pour your life into the lives of your fellow believers, we see here that the whole church is blessed and strengthened and will begin to experience the great growth that God wants for it. It is the loving exercise of our spiritual gifts one for another that enables the church to make a difference in the world around it. Only as I do what I have been gifted to do, and you do what you have been gifted to do, can we ever hope to be used of God to effectively serve him and the world today? Paul tells us that the body is to edify itself in love. If we love the Lord like we should, then we will want to be 
all that he has saved us to be. And if we love one another like we should, that we will want to help our fellow Christians reach their fullest potential for Jesus. And as we walk in love towards the Lord and towards one another, we will show the world that our faith is real. John 13, verses 34 through 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. Every one of us here this morning are different, but we are brought together as one in Christ. God has called us, saved us, and dwelled us, and gifted us individually and uniquely to put us together in such a way that we can bring glory to his name so the whole body of Christ might be blessed. I thank God that you are not just like me, and I thank God that I am not just like you. You see, I praise him for that, uh, that diversity that we enjoy in Jesus because our differences help us to better serve him and one another. And so this morning, I want you to respond. I don't want you to sit in the pew. I want you to respond. And so perhaps this morning, the response needs to be that you recognize that you're not saved. And if you're not saved this morning, if you don't know Jesus, then I invite you to come. Because that's the first thing you need to take care of. You need to know Jesus. So you need to come. But if you are saved and you're unsure of your spiritual gifts, I encourage you, get into the Word of God. Look at those verses. Find out where God has, has gifted you. Find out what it is that, that, that God is calling you to do within his church and then start doing it. Maybe you know what your spiritual gift is, but you haven't been using it. And maybe this morning you just need to say, God, I repent of wasting the gifts that you have given to me. And God, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be used. I want to do what you've called me to do for your honor and for your glory. But maybe God has impressed upon you to just come to this altar and to pray for Bryanford Baptist Church, to pray that we would be a church that used the gifts, that we use those gifts that God has blessed each and every one of us, that out of many we would be one for his honor and for his glory. However God's spoken to you today, would you respond to him? Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you. We thank you for the diversity of your church. Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of our differences, and Lord, we are very different. We come from different places. We have different ways of thinking about things. But Lord, you've called us to have those differences. But then to come together and to use those different gifts, to use those different ways of thinking and doing things, to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, we recognize that we may have some here today that don't yet know you as Savior and as Lord. And if that is the case for anyone who's within the sound of my voice, I pray that today they would come. As soon as we begin to sing, they would come. And that they would say yes to a relationship with you because it will change everything for them. Lord, I pray that you would save souls today. Some of us need to be at this altar. We need to be praying. Some of us need to be saying, God, show me. Show me where you've gifted me and help me to use those gifts. All to your honor and all to your glory. Lord, move now. And as you move, I pray that we would move. To Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, would you come? Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening. And may God bless you and your family.